Welcome to the Art and Business of Music podcast hosted by me, Jimmy Davis, aka Tapes, where we explore every facet of working in the music industry, uncovering just what it means to be a creative and a professional in the business. On this episode, I'm joined by songwriter and production company director, Meldra Guza. Meldra has a wealth of experience in the music business, having become a household name in her native Latvia, aged 15. She lived and worked in LA for some time, having many of her songs placed as sync music for TV and working with platinum-selling producers and songwriters. As a session musician, Meldra has performed alongside CeeLo Green, Dappy, and most recently for Rod Stewart at the Brit Awards. Meldra now runs the Song Lab with husband Johnny Amos and is an educator for BIM. Welcome to the show, Meldra. How are you doing? Hi, Jimmy. It's, it's absolutely wonderful to be here and, and thank you for inviting me to, to come along. Thanks so much for making the time to come on the show. It's, it's really great to speak to you. And yeah, I'm really looking forward in, uh, to, to diving into to all of the things that you've experienced in the music business, all of your achievements and accolades. Uh, but firstly, I mean, I've just introduced you there, uh, songwriter, uh, you know, music production company owner. But you just want to give us a little, a little flavor of, uh, you know, what that means, what it is that you do, and perhaps anything else that you, you currently do within the music business. Right. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. I think uh, similarly, like many other people uh, that have worked for quite a few years within the industry, uh, the journey, um, it's, a, it's a road that uh, covers many bases. So I started out as, a, um, as an artist when I was very young in my country, um, uh, Latvia, which is in North Europe, uh, which was a fantastic experience and really taught me a lot about um, self-management and also about uh, project development and things like that. So that's from the age when I was about 14 to 19, so all the way through um, graduating the GCSEs and A-levels. So I was quite busy with, with that type of um, activity of being an artist, basically. So that involved a lot of uh, television work, radio, all the kind of things that you would expect an independent artist to do these days. And then by the time I got to the age of 19, I moved to the UK, where I studied music in Guildford at the Academy of Contemporary Music, which was a, a fabulous time in my life. I really enjoyed it. Um, then further on, I did uh, some session work. Um, later on, I signed as a songwriter and moved to Los Angeles for two years, where I worked um, with lots of wonderful producers and on, on different projects. Um, then... I met a fabulous, fabulous guy from Birmingham in Los Angeles um, on a songwriting um, kind of um, one of those big shows where you go like ASCAP and Taxi. They're, they're massive shows where you um, got different masterclasses. There's a lot of networking. And you could say it was love from the first sight. <laughs> and soon enough, uh, my wonderful uh, now husband in, invited me to um, move back to the UK uh, and it was just one of those decisions that you have to ask yourself what is the right thing for me um, when I treat myself with with greatest love and what would make me the happiest and it was really when I understood that actually you can be in in the music business from wherever you live uh, you just need to find it in happiness and by then I was already in my late 20s which was um, 
which was a kind of a, an age of kind of great maturity, so to speak. Um, so I moved to Birmingham. I had never been in Birmingham before, of course, because I had lived in, in uh, Surrey, in, in that area of the world. And, um, and we both together launched a company called The Song Lab. We're based in Birmingham in uh, Jewelry Quarter. And these days, uh, you could summarize that I work as a songwriter with a publishing company in Denmark, so I'm signed with them. I run co-run Songweb together with, with Johnny, and I do uh, lecturing work as well, and I focus quite a lot on artist development. So with a new talent in Birmingham, uh, there's a lot of them, a lot of fantastic artists, and with quite a few of them I have been involved in their development process. So overall, I would say I'm really enjoying my life. Wow. I mean, you've just given us a whistle-stop tour there, Melda, of, of your entire kind of existence in the music industry and business. And I feel like we're going to have to jump off the train at certain platforms and just explore kind of what was happening um, at each of those stops. So let, let's start with, I mean, you mentioned there from a very young age, you kind of entered the music business in your, your home country of Latvia. I mean, how did that happen? Fifteen, you said, right? Well, it all kind of started when I was 12, but we need to look back in further into the childhood, but I'm aware we have a time limit on this conversation. <laughs> I've been really lucky to have um, a very nurturing and, and wonderful family life. Um, my dad is a professional musician, so being in that um, environment of musicianship from the day that I was born, of course, must have had an impact, and it did. Um, so there was a great impact from my dad, and also great impact from my mom, uh, particularly from my mom in terms of the the empowerment and the self-efficacy, that uh, confidence and belief that we have the the needed skills to to try and achieve something. Um, so I'm forever grateful for that because actually that um, I think helping a child to develop their mindset and um, it's quite it's quite a big task for parents to do uh, and that's something I'm very very grateful for so I started to do a bit more kind of active music when I was 12 it wasn't ever kind of pushed onto me it was a case that I said I think I want to do a bit of music and then um, I had the encouragement that, that well if I want to do music maybe I should look into uh, doing also some um, studying process process of music as well so uh, that's when I took on um, some violin lessons and piano lessons, which even though I didn't uh, continue with those instruments in my professional life, they uh, I think it never hurts to learn something. Uh, and particularly with what I say to a lot of young musicians, uh, piano really helps with um, the visual understanding of music theory. And violin or any kind of instruments that don't have necessarily frets will help you with your pitch development as well. So that was very useful time. And then by the time I got to the age of 14, I uh, was putting together my own band where I was a guitarist, songwriter and vocalist. <laughs> it was fun times. And then, um, yeah, uh, later on I joined also um, my dad's project. So I've had the opportunity to play with um, professional musicians from a very young age, uh, which was very um, useful and uh, a wonderful experience. So, uh, yes, and, and I think maybe I just had a lot of enthusiasm, <laughs> which maybe some people would have seen as annoying, um, annoying teenager traits. Uh, but uh, I 
somehow just had that uh, perseverance in, in uh, reaching out to media, to festivals. And, and it was strange, but yes, that 15-year-old me got the band on different festival stages, on different television shows, and, and it, it was fun. Uh, but it also really formed that early kind of um, uh, research, if you like, of uh, how to run your own career. And I actually had a naive thought that um, when you go to kind of more Western world, it's more like you see in the movies about music business. But by the time I arrived uh, in the UK, actually being an independent artist was already a massive thing. So things that I had learned were very valuable. Sorry, very long answers to your questions. <laughs> no, wow. You know, it, it's they're, they're so rich. They're, they're so full of juicy ingredients. And I just want to kind of pick them apart a little bit. So, I mean, it sounds like you were fearless. Firstly, you know, 15 years old, like, I don't care. I'm going to contact festivals. I'm going to contact TV. I'm going to contact radio. You, it sounds like you were just going for it. Um, do you think that that, that, that sort of young people, young aspiring artists, it's, it's a necessity to have that element of just having no fear, just completely going for it. Don't be scared. I think there is a lot to be said about having enthusiasm that's not overshadowed by experience. So a lot of the time we talk about um, age versus experience or, or youthfulness and maybe lack of experience, what is better, what is worse. And I don't think there is one answer. Um, it's very good to be self-reflective and um, observant and self-aware at any stage of your life. Um, but a key thing that I like to, um, to say to anybody that's young is to not overly listen to negative experience stories. You can pick up information from other people and that's very, very valuable. Do learn um, facts and figures and uh, frameworks of how business works. But for adults, and it sounds a bit the, like I'm uh, saying oh, adults should say this. What, what I'm saying is people with a lot of experience shouldn't try and um, kind of offer too much of it as a as a mean of maybe all oh, be careful be very careful mm. there's something to be said about having that enthusiasm and just giving it a go and things actually working out and will there be mistakes of course there will be mistakes but each person is entitled to make their own mistakes and they probably learn more from that uh, there comes a point i think in anybody's life when we are ready to learn from somebody else's experience whether that is through um case studies of individual people such as reading biographies or or if, it, or if it's a case of you know what I think I'm ready to read a book about music business it'll be a different journey for everybody but um, when it comes to that fire in your belly and saying oh my god I have this idea I want to do this there's nothing like that it's I think it's the most amazing thing and the more kind of we can save that in ourselves to to have that true hunger for something new uh, and for that achievement, um, the better. So to go back to your question, um, I, I wouldn't say that if a young person is shy that they have no shot at anything. No, not at all. Because there's a, a great difference between uh, feeling shy and then developing your almost like alter ego. Uh, what I call you need to create your own representative. You don't always need to wear your heart on your sleeve and let everybody know exactly who you are. But there is, there is some strength in developing that person that you become when you go into a networking environment. 
and we all can do it. Sometimes it's a bit of a an act of pulling yourself together and being brave. It doesn't mean that we're brave 100% of all of the time. We are just a little bit brave for the time that we need. So um, going back to the age of when I was 15, was I scared to call on a landline back then? <laughs> on a landline, those festival people? Yeah, I felt a little bit nervous. And did I practice what I will say? Yeah, I did sometimes spend some time literally going through the motions by myself, which would sound um, maybe a little bit unusual for some people. But I felt that by the time I had talked my talk, so to speak, by myself, I felt confident. I felt that I believed in what I was saying. So I wasn't questioning myself in the conversation because I felt that, right, well, this is who I am. That's what I want to do. And then you can be reactive, but you're not questioning yourself within that space of conversation. And it sounds like you were surrounded by music from a young age, you know, your, your parents um, being very encouraging and your dad is, we'll get to see your dad a little bit later in the interview, but your dad's a, a, a very successful musician in his own right, isn't he? But it also sounds to me like you really immersed yourself in what it was that you wanted to do once you'd kind of made that decision. Um, and just coming back to picking up on what you were saying about music theory, do you think it's also important for up and coming aspiring artists to, to really give themselves a, a solid foundation of things like music theory to, as a, to use as a platform and as a springboard? Because you, you, you were alluding to the fact that it's, it kind of helped you in so many other ways. I think there is a balance. And actually, I will re reply to your question from a slightly different edge. I think we need to find a balance between the mind and the heart. Now, through my own songwriting experience, I've initially maybe have written more with the heart. Then I've overanalyzed things. When I look back at maybe some songs that I wrote um, 10 years ago, particularly whilst I was studying, it felt whatever came up in my studies would become my new obsession of, of really discovering it fully and, and putting it into action, etc. And there's a lot of value, but it comes to a point where you can start to balance your heart and your mind. And I think that is the, the most positive place. Uh, equally, there's something to be said about that. Again, going back to the youth and enthusiasm. When it comes to knowledge, most of the time it is not hindrance if you don't let it become hindrance. So don't let it become an excuse. Uh, know enough so that you can not only know what the rules are, but how you can maybe play against the rules. Uh, there's a, a very nice thing that uh, said, actually, there are no rules in songwriting. There are just tools, uh, but the only rule is prosody. And I thought, oh, I need to, to find who said that. But it, it was a very, very good uh, quote. And I think it's we could go for a nice little walk in Birmingham and we can enjoy the scenery. We can enjoy the, the beauty of the city without knowing where we're going or while we have a knowledge of the different streets and different buildings that we might see on our way. And again, at different times of in our life, we'll have a different experience. So, of course, having more knowledge offers you more versatility in, in you being able to achieve more um, in different uh, contexts and environments. So, basically, I'm a massive advocate for learning. <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. But equally, I'm saying it has to be a case that you don't start to write to songs or, or, or do production to prove, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so technical. Can you hear how technical I am? Um, 
we need to remember why are we writing something, why are we producing, why are we creating, who is it intended for and how we are hoping to communicate that. Um, so that is a key thing. If we are looking to work with other people, we take on different roles of maybe facilitating the process, working with somebody that has less knowledge, in which case we need to be able to immerse ourselves in their world, particularly in songwriting environment, or in different territories in terms of in terms of geography. In which case again we need to have that knowledge in how to achieve uh, something that is of that particular um, sonic value that they are trying to achieve. And without the theoretical basis sometimes it can be challenging. But that is, you see, I, this is a subject I'm very passionate about. Um, it's just the, the knowledge is power. But uh, don't say to yourself, I'm not allowed to do anything unless I have learned absolutely everything. Because uh, just learn and do and get on with it. That's what I say. <laughs> I love it. And I think what, what you're saying there really reminds me of this idea that, or in my opinion anyway, that music is like a real mix and hybrid of art and science and the science for me is the stuff that you're talking about you know the theory the formulas the structures things that have, have, have proven to work throughout songwriting history and the art is something that we just can't explain it's the unexplainable it's the magic it's whatever comes through us it's wherever creativity comes from you know um, and that, in fact, that leads me beautifully on to my next question, Meldra. I'd like to, 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 to ask you, where, where do you think creativity comes from? Do you, what's your take on it? Well, it's interesting that you talk about the art and the science. Um, if I remember it correctly, a lot, of the, um, a, lot of, a lot of the knowledge that we have these days, what we call art, in the very, very olden or ancient days, was seen as craft, actually. So as a set of different skills we develop, and it wasn't necessarily always seen as an art, although these days we see it as objects of art, for example. Um, but talking about inspiration, I think there is something definitely magical uh, about the process, and maybe one day it will be explained what exactly happens, but I would say that we need to collect those moments of inspiration carefully. We need also document whatever it is that comes to, to us, whether it's from space or through our heart, however we see the world. It, it's down to each of us individually, how we think the kind of the ideas uh, turn up in our minds. Um, but then there's also the value of knowing, okay, so I have, I have noted down all of these great ideas that I've had and I've felt inspired. Um, and now I'm going to start to work on this, whatever it is that you're working on, whether uh, you're into visual arts or whether it's music. Um, the key difficulty comes in that moment when it's almost like lighting a matchstick. There's that magic of that fire and that excitement. But then eventually that light slightly starts to kind of settle down. And that is when our knowledge and perseverance and our kind of those soft skills of saying, you know what? This is difficult, but I, I'm going to try and work through this little mini block and, and I'm going to finish this song. Um, and I think that's the balance of, of kind of knowing and being okay with it. That sometimes you might write a, a whole song in one go and you'll feel super happy about it. And other times you might have a really strong concept that came to you randomly, but you don't know what to do with it. And it, it's a case of accepting those gifts of, of the... Uh, of the world that we get in in form of inspiration and then try and see what we can do with it 
we we know each other personally in Maldra, and your yeah. level of humility has always struck me as a, a really beautiful thing. Um, what what I'm really interested in is, how, you know, how did it feel um, to be sort of gaining uh, and stepping into the spotlight at that age, even even if it was just sort of within your 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 region, your territory, and if and if there was anything that you could say to any other young people that might experience something similar at a similar age, what kind of advice would you give to them? I think just focus on what it is that you actually are doing and where you're hoping to get to. By the time I had finished my GCSEs, uh, that's when I was already becoming quite active. So I knew I had three years ahead of me to do my A-levels. And at that time, I knew that I would really want to study music further, particularly contemporary music. Now, the problem is that at that time, in my country, we didn't have a higher education of that uh, kind of um, uh, kind available. So we have very good conservatoire, uh, but we didn't have um, a modern music-based um, um, education establishment of that level. So, and also, of course, it was an absolute dream to come to a wonderful country like the United Kingdom. Um, so. I, I kind of focused on thinking, right, I need to sort out that my English is of a good standard. I need to make sure that my grades are good. I need to make sure that I continue developing myself. And there was just, and alongside of that, there was that wonderful process of playing music and it going well. And um, so the spotlight, it was a case of, you know, you go to school every day, five days a week. Uh, I also was going to additional music lessons with, with a wonderful uh, teacher of mine. Um, and then in the midst of everything, I would think, okay, so Thursday I need to be on telly and, and Friday there's a photo shoot. But it, <laughs> maybe I'm a geek, I don't know. I just thought it's part of the job. And at the time it was my job and my job was to be professional. Um, I think I was born with an old mindset. Not old in the sense that... Um, not hip, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just a bit like an old soul. I, I just thought, well, it is part of the um, kind of the, the game. And if I want to do better gigs and, and progress further than um, being part of media, it's just it, it's it's part of the definition of when you push yourself as a musician. And these days for independent artists that are now launching themselves, let's say, within a local scene, not much has changed. It's just... Um, maybe the medium through which you are becoming known has slightly shifted with uh, with bloggers, vloggers, influencers, and so on being the, the kind of key people you're reaching out. Um, also radio pluggers, and, and radio is still a massive thing, of course, uh, and television. Um, but it's, it's just changing slightly your uh, approach depending on what times you live in. When I was that young, I actually bought all the teen magazines and I looked through the names of who's writing about what, uh, and then I contacted the magazines. So <laughs> it was different. These days we have the good old Google. <laughs> we can just find things in different ways, but the concepts remain the same. It sounds like you had a really level head on your shoulders. And what it's reminding me of is a quote that I remember seeing somewhere that was like, if you want to be a rock star, then start acting like a rock star. And what, what they mean, you know, the person who made the quote went on to say that rock stars, despite what they look like from the outside, are very professional. They turn up on time. They're very disciplined and they're very dedicated to their craft. Do you know what I mean? And um, 
it sounds like you were certainly like you had a focus, you, you knew what you wanted and you just went out there and got it. So moving on to the next phase then of, um, of your journey, coming across to the UK, how was that and what did it feel different? What were the differences that you, you were experiencing between the UK and, and the Latvian sort of the music world? Well, it was it was very, very different in many ways. Um, there's We always talk about the beauty of the language of music because it's no matter where you go, if you understand music, you'll be able to communicate with each other. And that is absolutely true. And I felt very welcomed and... Um, I just had fantastic people that were teaching me and amazing people that I was studying with. It was amazing, really, really wonderful. But there were the personal changes that I had to go through myself, which were more cultural differences, uh, with the first one being that I had to learn to be more westernized in, <laughs> and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, so for example, it, it, well, at least still whilst I was living in Latvia, the, it's not particularly culturally acceptable to to um in many ways you would say to sell yourself but basically mm -hmm. being um positive uh, about your attributes and abilities uh you would be more expecting other people to attribute something to you uh and then maybe you would be shyly saying oh well i'm not sure whilst in the uk um particularly when you are looking to kind of um demonstrate what it is that you do in music or in business uh, you kind of just go like well this is what i do so you uh, find that name tag or the title tag that you and you put it on your own kind of chest and you say right this is who i am and that's what the world kind of expects and actually when i speak to a lot of my students i say um don't wait for somebody else to, to tell you that you're really really good at something just try and work work it out what is your unique thing and then you name what it is that you do in the industry because most of the time the job roles you you invent a new job role for yourself you don't necessarily always find a job role of course there are jobs but a lot of the time particularly if you're an entrepreneurial uh, person you will um think okay what are all the different skills how can i use them in different contexts and then you will create that new version of you um, that is and you give yourself a title of whatever it is that you do so that was the first thing to learn to um to kind of um, be okay with with uh, being positive about yourself, which was even a greater culture shock when I then uh, lived in, in America for two years because it had to be slightly more upped. I had to up my game and not be so shy about it. So actually, earlier we talked about being brave. Um, being brave and courageous is one thing, but then that your self is, not so much self-esteem, but the confidence in how you approach the world, uh, that will confidence and the means how you explain yourself that will be different in different areas world and it still is the same when you think about maybe working in japan or working in in any other kind of country you need to be aware of the culture and, and what is acceptable um because it just not that you need to change yourself but being aware of why people act the way they act can help you to understand and being in tune with the situation. So that was one thing. But the main thing I remember about moving here was like, I was 19 for the whole of my life. I had literally been living at home with my mom and dad. And suddenly one day and I'm away from home, I'm in student accommodation and, and that's it. it. It's like, it changes suddenly. So there were a few little things uh, initially, maybe some, um, 
language issues where you've learned a language and you don't know that there's a another meaning for words and stuff like that so but um again i had such wonderful friends we it was always a fun joke and um, eventually i i think i i finally have got the hold of the lingo and, and can uh, understand what's going on <laughs> do you advise your students and young people that you work with maldra to put most of their focus and attention on the music to begin with you know, for a certain period of time, perhaps. And then when they feel that things are starting to get somewhere, then to start looking at things like brand and USP. and That's a very, very good question. I think, um, well, let's be honest. If we go back to ourselves being very young and talking about that fire in our heart, there is a tendency for people to want things here and now because you're so excited, you've got a new song and you want to get it out there. Uh, and it's one of my key things I really don't like, the word out there. What exactly does it mean? We can't all know what it means, but that lack of um, conciseness and, and um, precision of what that out there means is, is why people keep on kind of not getting what they want. Sorry, that's my strict mindset there talking. Uh, <laughs> Ideally, if the patience uh, can be kind of put in place, uh, working out your sonic values, your message, your uh, your sound, and, and what it is that you actually want to say, those are the key priorities. And I would say it's better to spend longer writing, um, producing, changing the, the songs over, just trying to, again, treat it as a, as a little uh, diamond that you're working on. To turn it into a little brilliant i think that's how they go step by step you want to have all those different edges uh, polished uh, even if your sound is unpolished if that's your thing but you want to work out for yourself who am i because once you work that out you can then start to work with a massive machine that you could say music industry is and you'll feel more at ease um knowing right this is who i am this is the closest other artists that I could say maybe I sound like because that's what all music industry kind of um, algorithms and things uh, want want to know where can we kind of slot you in to make it work and, and we shouldn't be angry about it we should understand that it's a bit of a game and if I want to gain visibility I just need to put my business hat on <laughs> and and for that little moment to play the game and say okay I fit into this category um, but it's quite good to work out before for your own integrity, uh, where do you want to be and who you're happy um, um, to sound like or, or what is your kind of individuality? Um, sometimes when people rush into to kind of things too early or too soon, um, for maybe not the reasons that are music related, but maybe, maybe there's a fascination with fame or anything like that, there can come the disappointment afterwards of feeling like you don't know who you are um, so there is definitely value in, in focusing on music and you can learn about marketing and business and, and that's very good and learn be inspired by other artists as well uh, but maybe just get quite a few songs together and when you're ready that's when you start to um, really place yourself um, onto all of the different platforms etc because we need to remember that the world is and time is constantly ticking and there's constantly new things appearing so you don't want to become a dust somewhere you want to be sure that when you're ready you can target and you know who might be the people that would be interested in in listening to your music so then you want to be consistent and not on and off with with your kind of um 
professional practice, so to speak. So yes, music, definitely work out who you are first. Such good advice there. I agree with so much that you've said, Meldra. I work a lot with young people and I think that's one of my biggest frustrations is that everybody seems to be in a rush. It's all such a rush. I've got to, like you said, I've got to get it out there. I've, I've got to get recognized. I've got to get known. I've got it. And I think um, also what you were saying reminded me that although everybody has this creative control and we have access to these platforms um, round the clock, 24-7, we can release things whenever we want. We can record, we can master online, we can get PR, we can do it, all sorts. Um, there's no, or as a lack of quality control, you know, and like you were, like you were saying, um, as, as creatives, and we've all been there, particularly when we were young, we, we work on something, we finish it, we think it's the best thing since sliced bread, and, and, and we want the world to hear it. And we are lacking in our own quality control at that stage, I guess. And I think it's such a big thing to be able to step back from your music and to really critically analyze it uh, in, a, in, a new, in as, as neutral a way as you can, which is very, very difficult when you're attached to something when it's your baby and you've created it yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I find that frustrating. And also certainly agree with what you said about trying to fit into a category or a box to begin with. And that's not anybody trying to stifle your creativity, but I think that it's, it's, it's a proven fact, you know, through marketing that people like to know where, what things fit into what box they like to know what it is, you know, and I think you can change the rules of the game and push the boundaries once you're established in that box, you know, uh, like all of the great artists have. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of amazing advice in that answer, Meldra. But I want to bring it back to you now, right? Um, so you were studying ACM in Guildford. Um, and then, like, you know, what happened between then and you moving to the States? And, and how did that journey sort of transpire? Right. So I was doing... We, we kind of glossed over, well, I did, you didn't. Uh, so I want to come back to it. We, I glossed over the fact that you have been a, a really successful session musician and played with some out, outstanding artists. How did, how did that come about, Meldra? How did you get into that field? And, you know, was it the same sort of tenacity and drive that you had as a 15-year-old in Latvia? You know, did you just plunge yourself straight into that marketplace and say here I am this is what I do and you're gonna have it right well I would say I would definitely not say that I'm an amazing session musician definitely uh, oh god you see this is my Latvian name rubbish rubbish <laughs> I can't always um I, well the, the greatness of some of the musicians is just so uh phenomenal that uh to, to be one uh, percent of their achieve of what they can play and, and achieve is um, is wonderful. So yes, so for that reason, I'm always a little bit shy about the whole session musicianship thing because I, I don't think it's actually my element. If we think about the the author Sir Ken Robinson, he talks a lot about um, he talked a lot about being in our element and where do we feel at most um, not at ease, but where we feel that we can do the most uh, and get the most out of ourselves. I think it's more 
other areas of musicianship where I feel more more like fish in water, so to speak. But nevertheless, I've had some great opportunities, again, built either through um, the friends that are made at, in university. I think there's a lot to be said about, again, your closest network um, and never letting people down, no matter how small the project is that you work on. Because two or three years later, that person might be having a call from somebody saying, oh, hey, we need somebody to do this gig. Do you know anybody? And they might remember, oh yeah, that person, they never let me down. And suddenly you end up playing on the Wembley stage or suddenly you are doing some kind of massive press launch uh, for for a, a new company that uh, Richard Branson is launching. So it's just one of those things that it, it happens. Uh, and I think it's, when we look back at our life, sorry, on our life, we look at, well, maybe we don't look at on the CV, but we think about things. We can see these events and those are almost like, wow, the key points. But actually, I think what makes our life is all of those maybe more um, not such colourful and bright um, achievement days. It's all those bits in between where we actually work because that's the backstage, that's the behind the scenes where we build ourselves and uh, where the actual work takes place. Uh, a very fantastic um, session musician uh, uh, that I've had the chance to, to chat to, uh, she said once, the key thing that people need to understand that it's not about those two hours on the stage, it's about those 24 hours you spend with those people, or 12 hours a day is already much, about all those other things that make it happen where, where you kind of, those human skills come into play um, of you being able to work with different people. Yes, so going back to be a bit more concise, it was just the case of building contacts, reaching out to people, being fine if people uh, don't want to work with you straight away, because also they need to build um, the trust in you. Uh, something very interesting that a friend of mine recently said, which is a good advice for young people that want to get into the session work, is to keep your socials intact. So make sure that if you now can play better than a year ago, the particular song, if you want to keep the recording, keep it, but upload a new version. Uh, keep keep your kind of... Um, it's not... Of course you get auditions and things like that, but more often people will check you out online, of course. So make sure that what you have available represents you. Maybe consider having separate profiles for you as a, as a, a human being, <laughs> for you as a musician, um, so that you can represent yourself professionally. Um, and so people can see you for what it is that you do and, and can enjoy your playing. Um, but yeah, don't keep things that, if you think, oh, I'm really kind of out there or that's not very good. Um, so yes, basically be professional. That's the, that's the message. It is like your musical CV, isn't it? I guess as a musician on, online and your socials and everything. So yeah, some 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 great advice there. Now neither you or I uh, are one to name drop Meldra, but I, I like I want to. I feel like a journalist now. I'm digging for some juicy gossip. <laughs> um, I I tuned into the Brits. Uh, was it not last year? The year before? Twenty twenty. Twenty eighteen. No, not twenty twenty. Oh, twenty twenty. Sorry. It was it was last it was last year yeah it was last year. Just um, felt very long. <laughs> it has seriously, and I tuned in because a certain amazing Latvian musician was on stage playing with Rod Stewart. Um, you've played with Rod several times, yeah. You've played with CeeLo Green. Um, 
do you have any like interesting stories any any anecdotes i mean what are those guys like as people what was it what was it like to to be playing amongst um that group of musicians that was you know accompanying them it was really really nice and i think there's something to be said about um the opportunity itself uh for me particularly having had the chance to work with uh, sir Rod Stewart um and, and being part of of the the band that was backing his performance um to me it has a, a actually a really great and, and, and deep meaning because I always think about the fact that I was born in a country that was locked away from the freedom. So I was born in Latvia when we were still behind the the um, the kind of the Soviet rule, so to speak, because uh, we were occupied by the, um, the Soviet Union. So when I was born, it was, uh, it would seem like some kind of unreal fantasy to think that first of all, actually I'll be ever able to get out of the country let alone uh, be on the same stage with uh, an international superstar. So I always have to remind myself and, and pinch myself, say, actually, this is reality and how much can change within one lifetime. So I'm very grateful for those opportunities. Um, so in the, the Brits was a phenomenal experience. Um, actually, I actually did a lot of steps uh, during those days as well, because, of course, it took place at the O2, and the distances you walk are quite... Um, I felt very proud of myself for, for for my physical kind of readiness because there was a lot, lot steps to take to just get from one place to the other. Um, it was a fantastic experience. Um, again, uh, what I would say is that it's good to kind of, again, develop those relationships with musical directors. Some musical directors often are in charge of maybe booking you again. So in this case, it was a, a case of being booked by... Um, a, um, a company that I've been working with for quite a few years and where musical director actually said, oh, can we have the same person that we had already booked um, for the um, Royal Variety Show? The Royal Variety Show didn't go ahead, but I guess I had made a good impression and for that reason I was able to get the gig. So again, so if sometimes things don't work out in life, it doesn't mean that it's a uh, end of something. Uh, what matters is, again, that um, relationships we create with people and uh, being able to, to create that contact and, and be professional and, and kind and, um, and positive as well. So even though an event didn't go ahead and we had done all the rehearsals with, with all the musicians uh, and it was a heartache at the time, uh, a few months later, the Brit Awards came up around and, and that was a phenomenal experience that I'm going to be uh, always grateful for. It was a proud moment for me. I've oh. got to say, seeing you up there on that stage, Meldra, it really was. Thank you. And um, you've been on such an, a, an incredible journey and your story is a really amazing one. And yeah, I just, I'm just really... I'm really quite, I'm moved by your humility, Marjorie, if I'm honest, I, I really am. And I think you, you give so much, you know, to the community that you're part of, uh, to all the young people you work with. And I think it's because of that giving nature that you've got, that you get so much back and that you've been able to do the things that you've done. Um, so you. before I shed a tear, let's move on to the next question. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to, to, dig a little into what the creative process looks like to you because you're a songwriter yourself you know you, you do that regularly and 
and prolifically you go on songwriting camps international ones and you know you um the guys at tg publishing is it that you yes, you're sort absolutely. of attached to so yeah so what does that process look like to you is there a, a ritual around it is there uh like a, a structure to it is there something that you always revert to or or is it just i'm feeling creative and inspired let's see what happens well, that's a very good question. I find that uh, there's something to be said about that inner confidence when it comes to songwriting. Um, and sometimes, for me personally, preparation is key. So what I find is that I actually think a lot about things, I prepare a lot of ideas, and in the end, I haven't used any of those ideas. But for me personally, being prepared has felt like it was my entry ticket to be allowed to be in the room. I know it sounds maybe a bit silly, but that's just how my mind works. Um, unfortunately, I've never been one of those people that's super brave and can kind of blag it. It doesn't work for me. Since being a child, if I was doing an exam, I had to know all the answers uh, and then I would feel like I'm ready for the exam. So in some ways, I think it, it sometimes has been hindrance. And actually for me, uh, learning to be more brave uh, has been part of my kind of personal development uh, for years, just to be get, becoming more and more comfortable in maybe putting myself in situations where I'm not 100% in my comfort zone. Um, but I, I do find that I think a lot about music, I think a lot about um, interesting ideas, um, and it might be that actually, you know, when it comes to songwriting, I might not go directly to my phone and think, oh, I had this idea, but somewhere it's a process. It's like a machine isn't it uh, with with oils and whatnot so we need to work our mind and we need to work um our soul as well and heart and, and ask those questions and then when it comes to that magical moment where you are in the room with other people those ideas bounce off each other but because you have worked your mechanism of thinking and feeling maybe you can tap into things quicker and you don't have to go through i don't know two hours of uh, crying to get to the, the t uh, key emotion. Although, to be honest, I have had sessions where we worked with an artist and it all has started with some tears from the artist's um, kind of uh, initial contribution, but it has ended up with a good song. So it doesn't really matter whether you're friends or, or not. What matters is that you, for that magical moment that you've been given to work together, that you get there, that you get something nice. That's how I look at it. So that's my process. The preparation um, from kind of more holistic point of view. The other thing is in songwriting camps, it depends on, on where you're going. It might be that you're writing to a specific brief. This is the case where, again, the more knowledge you have, the better, because then you'll know the context maybe of the artist, the context of the culture for the territory, and also um, um, how to get there, what's the quickest way, um, why does this certain um, territory um, has music that sounds in a certain way, What what is the thing that happens there in each of those songs and if you know that there's a cultural kind of specific thing that is typical then it's quicker for you to arrive there and actually be on point with what you deliver. So there's a big difference between writing from your heart whatever you want and trying to deliver what somebody's hoping you will um, and I think that again for songwriters it's a case of knowing which role you play at any given time and being okay with it some some great points in there be be prepared was one that certainly resonated with me and i'm sure there are lots of songwriters who can be spontaneous and can you know think on their feet do it on the spot um 
yeah, I'm I'm the same. I, I like to be prepared. Um, but do you, you really? Uh, sorry, uh, no, go for it. a very good point because uh, a friend of mine recently uh, said. All that improvisation is, is knowing your chops and being able to use them effectively. It goes back to that inspiration and craft of be inspired. But it's almost as, let's say you saw somebody and you thought, oh my God, I absolutely love them. But how will you be able to say that if you don't have the words or other means of expressing yourself through, I don't know, imaginary or or through uh, singing or, or dance or whatever it might be, the more you have a developed toolkit, um, the more you can express it in a more elaborate manner. So um, I think, yes, that the improvisation is a case of just having a lot of, in terms of lyrics, a lot of words available to you, or in music, a lot of musical expressions, uh, or let's say if you were a visual artist, that you kind of felt this feels like this type of grey, and then making it happen. I'm really bad with visual things, so I'm going to stop there. <laughs> not, not embarrass myself because I am uh, just really not good with seeing things visually, but never mind. Develop your toolkit was the main takeaway for me from that, Meldra. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we're, we're sort of coming towards the end of the interview now. And this is where I'm going to, I'm going to get you to kind of transmit to the audience your top tips and you know your your key kind of industry learning so as someone who's been in the business for for a, a pretty long time now and has done quite a lot of stuff what are the key things that you've learned Meldra and what are those golden bits of advice that you would pass on to anybody aspiring to be in this crazy industry right well I think first of all that's, that's a good question. And I think, again, it goes back to, is anybody actually happy to take somebody else's lessons? But I'd say um, kindness is not weakness, but also know, uh, know when to be kind and when to be a bit more strict. Um, so although I come across as very um, kind of super sweet and positive, probably, um, I've been told numerous times that I am quite a tough cookie and that's I think what we need to build up is the resilience because inevitably um, there might be some disappointments or we might be disappointed in people or what kind of maybe uh, trouble <laughs> they have landed us in uh, but it's as Rocky would say <laughs> my husband will be very proud <laughs> I'm not going to be perfect with a quote but basically it's about if you get hit it's about you getting up so yeah um, and in fact, one of my... Um, it's not about how hard you can hit, just how hard can you get hit and keep moving. That's it. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> That's perfect. So it's a case of building that resilience, uh, building your knowledge, uh, treating yourself uh, with a business mindset. So if you are kind of stuck in a, some kind of cycle of procrastination, imagine that you run yourself as a business would you be happy that you have somebody working for you a whole day doing nothing no it sounds so tough but you have to start to plan what you want for yourself because life gets busy ordinary bits get in the way and you end up not maybe always doing what you want to do so you need to take out time to think what will make me happy what do i want for myself and then I don't know, buy a diary or, or put it in your phone, but make sure you actually do it. Um, and and that's a tough lesson. And I talk a lot about it with, with young artists. And it's difficult at any age. 
but that's where we need to be tough with ourselves. And um, remember to enjoy it as well. I mean, uh, life is, if we have as many years as we have, hopefully we can all have quite a few years. But there is something to be said about one day we'll look back and we need to say, you know what, I'm actually happy with, with what I've done. I made myself happy. I worked in, in the best interests of me and other people. Um, and even if something hasn't happened the way you wanted it to be, can you look in the mirror and say, I know that I did my absolute best. So don't don't kind of sell yourself short or not finish things uh, because you'll be worried about if it's going to work or not. Just do it. I love it. And particularly that, that point about resilience, such a key component if you are going to be a successful person in this business, in this industry, whatever role you choose to take, whichever path you choose to walk, um, having a thick skin and being resilient and being tenacious and not giving up. Yeah, so, so important. Melja, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to finish with one last question. And it's just getting your thoughts on the future of, of the business and the music industry. Uh, where do you see things going? I mean, particularly off the back of this current situation that we're all experiencing that's that's really impacted the music business so drastically do you think things will revert to type off the back of all of this and do you see things changing in any way moving forward to be honest um i think that we can never go back in time just like we can't be the person we were 10 years ago we can tap into things of maybe what made us happy and then try again and, and, and this and that and the other and same with this situation it's very tough um i think the year that we have had the 2020 with, with the pandemic it's been um very very um difficult for many people and in some ways we have had to get back to basics of thinking of survival of our health of um kind of those very basic needs that we have as humans of the safety um, things like when, when there was literally no food in the shops. So that really shakes up your world. Um, but we have to also remember that throughout different eras, historically, music and art has been the respite for people. Music and art is what has inspired people to do better, to strive for something more. In times of... Um, of, of difficulty it's the creativity that allows for new solutions to come through so although it's very difficult i do uh, really believe that particularly with the amazing new generation of young people that we have and, and their kind of um, wonderful integrity that they have things will get better things will be different uh, Music as such and art will not disappear. The problems that we have at the moment is, of course, from the organizational and business point of view, because uh, business is business. And if suddenly there's uh, cash flow issues or there's just no investment um, and you can't pay your rents uh, or you can't put an event on, that will, of course, it has absolute awful damaging effect. But again, all those businesses are run by people and those people are resilient. And we will come through this. How exactly? 
I don't think anybody has the answer. Nobody has the answer right now. But I think we need to try and find some positive reassurance in knowing that music as such won't disappear. Um, in terms of from the business point of view, I think uh, people need to think more about, um, particularly with music, about content management, about knowing their rights, about owning their own material, their recordings, their songs. Uh, that doesn't mean not to collaborate, do collaborate. But again, again, that understanding of um, where you can uh, monetize your work and, and how to do it. Um, so sorry, I went from a very passionate uh, talk about grander things to <laughs> business, but it, it's just understanding the more we know about business the more we can negotiate i said that already and i think particularly for younger people it's good to know that there are a lot of good people out there but equally there are sometimes people maybe that are just checking how much you know to see how much they can take um so just make sure you do know a lot so that you can negotiate because um business can be amazing but you just need to know what it is that you want. So another last thing that I would encourage people to do is not just work against things. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. They do this wrong. That's wrong. Okay, that's your initial emotion, your anger. What are you suggesting instead? So what will you do instead? So same goes whether that is your view on environment or whether that's your view on a contract that's been put in front of you. Uh, don't be angry about the contract know that until you haven't signed it it's negotiable and if people don't want to negotiate with you do you want to work with them you need to ask yourself that i think that's some advice that the the whole world could really take on board right now you know let's talk about the solutions rather than the problems particularly we're existing in such a divisive world at the moment you know it feels like the, the globe is constantly divided on something but Meldry, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the podcast. Such a wise and knowledgeable soul. And I'm sure anybody that's listened to this episode would have taken a lot from it. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. And it's always an absolute joy to talk to you. And, and I wish for all of us to, to be very strong this year and to, to just find the strength and keep on going. And if we need to sometimes, let's have a little cry and then let's get ourselves together and keep on going we can do it. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please do follow us on all social media platforms at the AABOM podcast and subscribe to us via your favorite listening platform. See you next time.